You need to ask, why am I feeling this way? Not just manage it, but why? Get to, get to the root of things. Uh, uh, for instance, uh, uh, when, where does the Bible answer this question more clearly than James 4.1? I, 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 I don't know, but look at what James 4.1 says. Because he says there, like, where do wars and fight come from among you? Do they, not, do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? He says, you lost. That's the key. You lost and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. And the key word there is in verse 2, you lost. Lost, the, the original for that word is the epithumia. It talks about, uh, uh, by the way, it's not lost in the, in the sexual sense only. It's, this is a, a lost in a, in, a, in a general sense of something that is a craving. See, the, 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 um, the translator here in the, with the Strong's, it says uh, concupiscence, uh, desire, lost. And it's been translated in, in, the, in the King James as lost 31 times. That's uh, desire, lost after, the cravings, longing, desire for what is forbidden. But not only sexual, like I said. So I, I, I like to see it as an overarching desire. You know, a must-have belief. Do you have any of those? You know, uh, lost for something that you have to have. Is there anything in your life that you have to have to be happy? Other than the Lord? See, lost, how much you want it. I mean, it's, not, it's nothing wrong with wanting things, but then when, when wanted, when having to, with having that, it's a must. See, that's, that's epithumia. Epi comes from, like, coming from, uh, it's, it's, it's the, the, what the scripture used to, to be under the power of the spirit, like an overarching, you know, a baptism, an influence of the spirit of God, but here's, a, like, overarching uh, desire for something. You see, that's, uh, that's, where, that's where these things come from. Uh, St. Augustine, look how he puts it. He says that toxic emotions are like smoke from a fire. Because that's what I'm saying. Like tox I'm going to read the whole thing and then we talk. about said toxic emotions are like smoke from a fire. If you follow the trail of the smoke, it always leads to a place in your soul where you have erected an altar to a false god. And I add there's like an idol. Uh, because these toxic emotions, just understand... Are like, uh, are like lights in the dashboard of your, of your life. Uh, it's like when, you, when you're driving a car and you see the, the, the engine, engine light that comes off. Uh, that's meant to tell you something. That you need to alert you. That something is going on underneath, under the hood. In the same way, when we go through this you know, anger, uh, envy, uh, loneliness, all these toxic emotions, they, they, they speak of, a, of something that's going on under the hood. That is supposed to... We're not supposed to just manage that emotion outwardly, uh, wisely, and tuck it in. But we are commanded to deal with it and let that toxic emotion uh, lead you uh, to the real problem. And that's all we're going to be trying to, to address here today. Uh, basically, uh, idolatry, an idol. But what exactly is an idol? You know, what... When, when we talk about like idol, idol worshiping and all that, what, what comes to, to, to our heads, like typically in, in the beginning, it's just like we think of a statue of some sort, like the Virgin Mary, like whatever, or, or a, a ton of some kind in, in, the, in other uh, cultures. Uh, but an idol is more than that. But before we, before we get there, let's understand one thing. The knowledge of the love of God, 
The knowledge of the life-sustaining, soul-satisfying love of God is what we're born without as fallen creatures. The reason you're, you're born lost is because you're born disconnected from the knowledge of the life-sustaining, soul-satisfying love of God. And it makes us insecure and dissatisfied. That's what we all are born with. That's our condition as, a, as lost people. Right? That's why we need redemption. Uh, you are born disconnected from it. Uh, you, not, you do not know it. By, uh, you know, it doesn't matter how innocent you may be as a baby, yet you are born without the ability to know and, and find satisfaction in the, in, the, in the love of God, in his glory. But we tried to save ourselves because we all need salvation. You know, the, this feeling insecure and dissatisfied is, 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 a, is a natural thing to want to, 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 to fix. But when we try to save ourselves, right, uh, and then we try to save ourselves, but it leads to selfish actions. It leads to selfish actions that leave us full of guilt and shame, right, that in turn make us more insecure and dissatisfied, and it's like, it's like a, vicious, a vicious cycle of misery. When you try to save yourself, understand, you know, it, it is the knowledge of the love of God that, that's supposed to come into your heart and, and, and cleanse you from all your, from, and, and provide for all your need uh, of being loved and protected. Yet, because you don't have it, you go for other things. So these other things, basically, is our idols. And, I, and, I, and I, uh, I define idol in this way, like I put there. It says, an idol is a false god. Something we, we put our hope in. Hoping that, uh, hoping that we uh, believe uh, will save, hoping, you know, something that we believe will save us from our insecurity and dissatisfaction other than the one true God. Is that, is, that, is that clear? You know, like an idol is a false God. Something, you know, something we put our hope in, right? Something that we believe will save us, right, from our insecurities and satisfaction other than the one true God. That's what, a, that's what an idol is. And look what, see what God says in his word about idolatry. Because, you know, in, in Jeremiah 2.13, 2, he says, For my people have committed two evils. What are the two evils, Lord? Well, for once they have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. So basically, uh, if you're looking for satisfaction elsewhere other than, than God, the knowledge of his love, basically you're forsaken the Lord and the living waters, and, and you are in, the, in, this, in this picture of hewing themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can, that can hold no water. Because he says, you know, and the Lord says, like, a, if you drink, you know, the water of this world, you will be thirsty again. But if you drink of the water that I will give you, you will never thirst. Right? So it's like a, uh, in practicality, you know, an idol is something we feel we have to have in order to be happy, in order to make life worth living. Now, the question is this. Do you have any idols? Or actually, better, 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 better question is like, are you aware of any of your idols? Because we all have them, you know, we all have them. From the toddler that cries for the toy that he has to have, to the teenager that lies, cheats, and deceives in order to have that one thing that will surely rescue him from his boredom or his feeling of inadequacy. To the middle-aged man or the middle-aged husband that manipulates and goes to great length to secure the respect of his wife and kids and peers at work. We all have them. Can you identify yours? Because that's what I'm saying. 
Are you a needy person? It's, it's a matter of like seeing your emotions that lead to your idols. So you see what you need to be delivered from. You know what I mean? Uh, um, we are all worshiping creatures. You're going to worship something. The question is, what will you worship? If you worship a false god, that leads to bondage. And, and leads to a place of, that you're angry, sad, and lonely. But if you worship the one true God, that leads to freedom, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Uh, it, this is like John 8, the Lord says, Moses, surely I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. In Romans 14, 17, righteousness, peace, and joy. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So it's a, you are a worshiping creature. You're going to be worshiping something. If you're not worshiping God, you're worshiping something else. But you will always be worshiping. You will, you will attach. You will put your hope always on something. And that's, if that something is not the Lord, that is a false God, that you, you, you think is going to save you. And that leads to misery. That leads to bondage. Only, only being able to worship the one true God leads to freedom. So I want to talk about, like, uh, uh, and, and I want to bring your attention to the fact that ultimately all sin stems from some form of idol worshiping. All sin form from, uh, stems from some form of idol worshiping. Uh, and Jesus came to save us from these things. The hell within in, in the here and now. Uh, there, there, is a, there, there is a saying, not a saying, but I believe out there that Jesus came to save us from hell. But scripture does not really teach that way. You know, technically, Jesus didn't die on the cross to save us from hell, but to save us from our sins. You know, in Matthew 121, he said, and he, and he will bring forth a son, and she will bring forth a son, Mary. This is the angel talking to Joseph. I said, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And yes, uh, ultimately hell is something that, that is, a, is a byproduct of, of dying in your sins. But, but the fact that Jesus came not to, not to save you from a, from a physical place, but to save you from, from the hell within. He, he came to save you from your sins. Uh, uh, Remember how I, I uh, you know, uh, how I told you about uh, that the knowledge of God is what we're born without as fallen creatures? So that is the problem that we are all born with, and that is the problem we all need to fix before we step into eternity. Uh, and, and see, many times when we, when we talk about it and we think about, like, oh, Jesus, you know, it's just about hell, then, then that's when we, that's when we get this, uh, this, 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 you know, Oh, just pray a prayer, and I'm saved, but I'm, I'm, I'm still in my sin. I'm still, I'm still a worshiper of idols as opposed to worshiping the Lord. And, and, I'm, and I'm rid of all this misery in my life, which Jesus died on the cross to give me freedom from, from these toxic emotions ultimately. Uh, so basically, that's what Jesus died on the cross to give us, eternal life. So basically, of course, I got to be biblical. I'm not, talk, I'm not, I'm not teaching my own, my own ideas. Uh, but Jesus himself, look what he says in John 10. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them what? Eternal life. That they, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my, my father's hand. And what is eternal life? Is it to live forever? Ultimately, I mean, I, I, every, technically, every, every soul is going to live forever. In the sense of either you're going to exist in the presence of God, the kingdom of God, or 
outside of the presence of God, ultimately hell. Eternal life, according to Jesus himself in John 17, 3, he said, and this is eternal life, that they may know you. And he's praying to the Father, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So basically, you know, understand that this, this, this toxic emotions and all that, it, it's, it's, not a, it's not an optional thing. It's, there's some, there's, there, there, there are emotions that lead to something that we need to ask the why behind it so that we get to the bottom of things, which is ultimately a problem of idolatry. And identifying the idol is crucial to your being set free from the idol worshiping that you, by default, will engage in if you're not altogether worshiping God. That's what, that's what love, love the Lord your God with all your heart, strength, mind. And, you know, none of us here are doing that. We all have partially bound hearts still with chains and, and, and chains that we don't even realize we have. Uh, but the toxic emotions, we do realize. We, we, we can detect them. And, and it's, it's a good idea to let those toxic emotions show you that you can follow the trace to what it is that they're coming from. And like, like Augustine said, they always point. If you follow the trace, they will always point to some place in your soul that you have erected an altar to a false god. You know, uh, um, ultimately what I want to make sure that we understand here uh, is the difference between sin management and sin eradication. Because we're, we're called to do both. Sin management and sin eradication. But before, let's, let's just understand this. We're all born with a sin bug with us, don't we? Uh, we're all sinners. That's clearly what the Bible teaches, and we're, all, we're born with it. And, and, and I like to, like, picture that and, and identify that or see that as a, it's just like we're born insane. You know, being a sinner is, is, is being insane. You know, is that, that the, the all too natural tendency of the human heart to destroy both self and others. Being a sinner is like, it's like being insane. You, 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 if you left to your own devices, you're going to hurt yourself and you're going to hurt others. If that's not insanity, I don't know what it is. But, the, uh, uh, but I, can, I, can, I can proclaim to you, uh, being a sinner is like born, being born insane. I'm, what do you call a person that, that, that hurts himself? And in, in, in the process also, you hurt others. Well, that's what we have. And that's what Jesus came to set us free from. This sin nature that, that you know, like I said before, John 8, 34, uh, the Lord says, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And Romans three twenty three says that we all have sin and fall short of the glory of God. So, therefore, we all are slaves and we all are uh, uh, we all have this bug and we are all insane. And we need to deal with that insanity. Uh, and there, there are two ways to, to deal with the insanity that we are all naturally born with. And that is uh, basically you have the law of God that I like to depict it as a, as a straitjacket. Because you have a, an insane person, what do you do with them? With them? You just like put them in a straitjacket because, man, I'm, I'm hurting myself. I'm just like the, put them in a straitjacket to keep them from, from hurting yourself. Right? So the, the law of God helps you manage your sin. And, and we must use it. And it's beautiful. It's perfect in that sense. It's like external boundaries and tips to show us what's dangerous so we don't give in to it. To keep our sinfulness in check. To manage our sinfulness. And that is, that is needful. We need that. 
But the, but, the, but the key is that we don't leave it at that. Because in Christ, God not only gave us a, a way to manage our sinfulness, but a way to eradicate it. Because the gospel of the grace of God is the cure. So it's like a, understanding the, the, to discern between law and gospel is crucial because the law we need to use it and the gospel also we need to use it. See, the gospel, the grace of God is the cure because it's the work of God in the heart that sets us free from sinful desires by making us truly fall in love with God and delighting him instead of sin. Because one thing is, one, one thing is, to, is, to, is to know, okay, I'm, I'm not supposed to do this, but you still want to do it. But you're smart. You know the law and you keep yourself from doing it. But the better way is that God would give us something that makes us not want to do it in the first place. We're free from the law because once, I, once my heart is full of love and I, don't, and I don't have the desire to cheat, I don't need somebody telling me, do not cheat. Because I just don't, it's a, it's a change of heart. And that's, that's what I want to uh, make sure we uh, encourage all of us uh, to, to discern and, and, and learn to use wisely the law and the gospel so that we don't, so we don't let the gospel just be, uh, uh, you know, fall out of place and, be, and, be, uh, just, and, and therefore kind of like be lost as another, another law and therefore lose its power, uh, its life-giving power. Uh, look what uh, John says in John 1, 7. It says that, uh, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So one thing that we can tell from, here, from this verse is like, we, we cannot miss the fact that there is clearly a distinction. The law came through Moses. It's awesome, glorious, and needful. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. This, I mean, we're going to spend the rest of our lives discerning and learning what, what's, what's that makes it different? But uh, at least for now, understand there is, there is a clear distinction. And it's that which distinguishes Judaism from Christianity. Many times we just basically, uh, we're just, and look at this, we're, we're just concerned with the law, with managing our sin, and, and, then, and then we leave it at that. And it's like that verse that, the word, that says like a, having some form of godliness but denying its power because the power is in the gospel. See, don't be content with sin management, with the sin management of the law. But shoot for the upward call of God of sin eradication, freedom from sin by means of the gospel. I mean, look, look how Galatians, it's like one of my favorite books because it's, it speaks to this clearly. And uh, uh, it, takes, it takes meditation to, to, uh, to, um, to see what, what Paul, is, by the Holy Spirit, is trying to, to, to teach us about being, being saved by grace. Uh, it says in, in, in Galatians 3.21, and I put the NLT because it says it, you know, perfectly uh, to my taste. It says, like, is there, is, is there conflict then between God's law and God's promises? You know, it's like between... You know, the law and the gospel? Not at all. Absolutely not. For if the law could give us new life, you know, we could be made right with God by obeying it. In other words, we didn't need Jesus to come to the, to, to, to the cross. We just, hey, give me the law, give me the rules, and I'll, and I'll follow them. If that was enough, Jesus would not have to come. But look what it says in, John, in, in, in verse 22. 
But the scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin, like we were talking, right? So we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, it's what I, like, what I like to call sanctification by rest, not by efforts. Does that mean that we're not to make, you know, make efforts? <laughs> but, there, but there is something that says real freedom from sin comes not by something we do. And there's many things we need to do. I'm not saying that we're not, we don't do anything. But real freedom from sin comes not by something we do, but by something we believe. And that's why Jesus said in, in, in John 6, 28, when he was asked this very question, he said, the disciples that decided to follow him said, what shall we do then that we may do the works of God? Give me the list. What, what do we need to do? They asked the Lord. And Jesus' answer in, in John 6, 29 is, is astonishing because Jesus said, stops them in the tracks and says, this is the work of God, just one. Enough of your list. It's not about you. This is the work of God, one, that you believe in him whom he sent. I mean, it's a, uh, hey, I, I, may be, I may be ruffling your feathers. Uh, and it, hey, just wrestle with the Lord in his scripture and, and, re, and, and, and meditate whether, whether this is, rings true or not. But there is, there is a call for resting. There is a call for freedom that we must obey. And we're going to see a little later on how, how, how emphatic is the word on this, on this issue as we, we're going to see in Hebrew. But what I want us to focus right now is in the mighty weapon of the gospel message. Because it's a weapon that we don't use often. We just want the list. Because basically at the beginning we think it's just, okay, uh, I, I, was, I was doing my own thing and now I'm in God's word. Okay, surely salvation is by just give me the list. And I live by these precepts, I shall be saved. And Jesus said, ah, you must do that and your life will improve. You will, you will learn to manage your sin. But there's something much more that I came to this earth to die on the cross to give you. To give you the gospel. And I, and I like to call the gospel like a mighty weapon. The mighty weapon of the gospel message. Because the question is, remember we're talking about the whole thing is how do we get rid of, the, of these toxic emotions. Uh, so then how do we get rid of toxic emotions? By believing the gospel message that says, you know, like the gospel message. And I want you to go home and, and, and remember this. So I, uh, it's like a mathematical equation. Any, 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 any math people here in the room? Or everybody is letter. Okay, but you can understand a single equation, right? So the mighty weapon of the gospel message is like an equation that, that goes like this. Jesus, follow me three. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Can you remember that? Jesus plus nothing equals everything. You can move around, and you can say that everything minus Jesus equals nothing. That works too. <laughs> but remember, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Basically, you don't need anything. See how the, how the toxic emotions at the end derive from idol worshiping because we think we need this? 
and you know when when you're dealing with toxic emotions and you and you and you follow the trail you don't you don't just get hung up on just managing surely i'm not supposed to be feeling this and i can shake it off and do something okay do that but but don't don't stop there and ask the holy spirit to show you why why am i feeling this way what's the idol i'm worshiping and you preach that idol i don't need you i don't need you you know, you don't need anything because in Christ, God already gave you everything you need for everlasting and unspeakable joy. And like Colossians 2, uh, 8 and, uh, and 9 says, For in him, Jesus, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, who is the head of all principality and power. And, and I, don't, I, don't, I didn't put it on my slides, but the, the verse before, it says, Beware, lest... Uh, anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. And that includes just precepts. However good precepts uh, on the law, which we must know and we must try to obey, but not stop there. It's not, Christianity is not about sin management, which brings the law that helps you for that. But Christianity is, okay, you manage your sin, as a tutor that brings you to Christ, that gives you what's going to eradicate the sin nature. And it's the mighty uh, message, the mighty weapon of the gospel. Uh, in, in 2 Corinthians 1.20, it says, For all the promises of God are in him, yes and amen. So it's biblical. I want to I clear that, I mean, uh, you understand the, the fact that what we're talking here is not, it's not any, in anybody's human ideas. Scripture says... You are complete in him. All because all the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus. So basically you don't need anything because in Christ God already gave you everything you need for everlasting and unspeakable joy. You are complete in him. And this, so th this reality uh, uh, sheds new light on verses like this. My grace is sufficient for you. Oh, Lord, give me this, give me that. I need this. My grace sufficient for you. 2 Corinthians 12, 12, 9. See, the love of Christ. So basically, uh, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. I don't need anything because the love of Christ is all you need for everlasting joy. You are complete in him. So, you know, when you're going through, a, through a, one of these toxic emotions and, and you identify, you, you, you train yourself. It's not even you. It's like you, you humble yourself before God that he will train you to, to let, let you see what behind the emotion, what's causing it. And you take that idol and you say, I don't need you because I am complete in Christ. The love of Christ is all I need for everlasting joy. I'm complete in him. It brings new light to, you know, Philippians 4, 19. We say, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Jesus plus nothing equals everything because the perfect love of God that casts out all fear is all, is all I need for perfect peace. You know, I am complete in him. Uh, and, and like I said before in John 6, 9, it's like this is the work of God that you believe in him. Yes, use the, use the, use the law, but do not neglect to use the gospel. Uh, and notice that this is not a, a, you know, wishful thinking, pie in the sky, brainwashing, mumbo jumbo. It's, it's, you know, we may not be able to enjoy all the fullness uh, of life that God is yet, but that doesn't mean that it's not already ours. You know, 
the scripture declares that you are that you are that I am complete in Christ. Do I feel complete in Christ? Not at all. But what God is saying, hey, everything you will ever need for absolute unspeakable joy is ultimately what you want. I already gave it to you in Christ. So basically, learn to use it. You see what I mean? Learn to use it. Uh, I have a, like I put here as a main exhortation. It's like, let, let us train ourselves. You know, let's learn, let's become proficient at using the gospel to sanctify our souls from our idolatries. By all means, learn the precepts of the law and, and try to live by them. Manage your sin, but don't leave it there. Do not leave it there. You know, let's train ourselves also to use the gospel. It's like a like Rambo's coming. It's like a new Rambo or something. And it's, I like to see like that, that the gun of, a, of Rambo. Like you have an idol and be able to destroy that, that, that idol. Like we need the, the help of the spirit to, to, to show the idol behind all this, the toxic emotions that we, that we go through. And my hope is that we learn to, to identify them and follow the trains and shoot. Right? That's the process that we're going to be, you know, uh, uh, try, be trying to learn. So you hit, what's the process? Okay, toxic emotion, you can, you, can, you can see those. Those are very, very, very fruity, right? Like up in the, in the surface. Those are the ones that, that point us somewhere, but you need to follow the trace. Ask why. Why am I feeling this way? And it's always to an idol. Let the Holy Spirit show you the idol and shoot uh, the, the, the mighty weapon of the gospel say, I don't need you. You know, Jesus plus nothing equals everything because I am completing him. You know, I, I'm going to share some of my, some of my personal, uh, you know, uh, victories. I don't want to, not victories, it's not like I have always victory on this, but I, I, that I have identified. It's like, I, I don't need to be right. Do you ever get hung up on an argument because you need to be right? You're so insecure that you can you, just the fact of, of, of acknowledging that you were wrong, it's, it's just too painful. Oh, don't leave me alone here. You know, you know what I'm talking about. See, basically what the gospel said, it's okay to admit uh, not having it all together. Because I already have the acceptance of the, uh, of the only one whose acceptance and approval really matter, God. So learn to like, I don't need to be right. I don't, I, don't need, I don't need the respect of my wife or the love of my husband. You know, you can, you know, why? Because in Christ I am eternally and unconditionally loved. You know, many times I have like, you know, you know quarrels with my wife because she's not loving me and the Lord is not. And then, oh, like the anger rises up. Why are you so angry? You don't need it. You know, the same way. You know, any, anything that just like the hurts that comes, let the Holy Spirit show you what is it that you're like longing to have, that you're like willing to, to kill for. See, I don't need this job to provide for my family. I mean, Scripture says, you know, that my God shall supply all my needs. According to his riches and glory, yes, the Lord is going to supply for my, for my family through any kind of job or somewhere that he's going. But I don't need this job. So, therefore, uh, I, I don't have to be afraid of losing my job. If, if my company goes under, then I, what I need is more faith to trust and rest. And the fact that if, if I lose this job, God's going to give me another one. God's going to, he's my provider. It's not, it doesn't depend on me. It's a, it's a matter of resting. I don't need self-realization by being successful at work. 
Or I used to be, I used to be a pastor and I love being in the ministry. Uh, and, and, but the Lord brought us back here and, I, and I'm not in the ministry. And so like, yeah, I need to be in ministry. It's like, no, you don't. You don't need anything. Be nice for me to be in the ministry and be, you know, God, God, giving God glory. Most definitely. That's, I'm not saying that the things that we want are always bad. But it's wanted it too much. That you turn it into an idol that brings ultimately all this toxic emotion that Jesus came to set us free from. See, I don't need it because my identity as a beloved child of God is secure and untouchable because of Christ. Colossians 3.3 3, uh, 3, 3 says, you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So basically at this point, I want to make sure that we hit a, a, a warning because it's not optional. What I'm, what I'm teaching here, this is not an optional thing. It's like, oh, okay, uh, good ideas. No, no, don't get derailed. The main obstacle to, the, to real Christian growth is this, that we use the law to clean up our lives, but we're not using the gospel to heal our souls. Can you relate to that? You know, maybe unbeknownst to you, but you use the law to clean up your life outwardly, but the, but the, but the murderous heart within is still there. You have it in check so nobody can, you know, can, can, can see it. And you look pretty. Oh, that guy has it together. But, it, but inside, you know, that, you, know that, you know the fire is there. You just, you just learn to use the law to, to keep it at bay. We must not stop there. Because that's why many of us end up like whitewashed tombs. That's what, that's what the Lord came hard on. If when you read the Gospels, Jesus did not come hard on anybody but, but people who do this. That's why I'm saying this is not optional. We cannot afford to stop at using the law to, to fix us externally. Because many times we fix ourselves externally because ultimately we're worshiping the admiration and acceptance of others. In which it was nothing to do with God, but I just want others to think I'm, I'm super holy. Right? I'm, or I have it together. Or you see, uh, in Matthew 23, it says like, a, uh, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you, for, for you are like whitewashed tombs. What is that? Indeed, appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and uncleanness. You see what I mean? Like, okay, I'm, I may not be uh, expressing and letting my, 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 my anger and my, and my fire, you know, spread and t- touch others, but the fire is nonetheless yet there, but I look pretty, but my heart, you need, to, you need to let the Lord deal with your heart. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men. But inside, you are full of hypocrisy and, and, lawful, uh, and lawlessness. You see what I mean? It's like a, basically God will give you circumstances. We work out our own salvation by putting our hope in the gospel of the grace of God, preaching it to ourselves so we can believe unto freedom. You know, I, uh, the wisdom of the law will only help you contain, restrain, manage the damaging effects of your, of your chains. But only the gospel has the power to set us free. Like I said, I don't want to sound like anti-law. By all means, use the law, you know, but don't fall short. My, my exhortation is not to fall short and just using the law and being content at looking good outside and getting this whole, this whole insanity thing kind of in check so we feel pretty about ourselves, so we feel okay. No, we're needy inside because we, we, it's a hard problem. It's not a problem of, of externals. It's a hard problem that Jesus came to fix. Don't fall short. 
By all means, use the law, but don't fall short to enter the promised land of the spirit-led life by neglecting the gospel. So what's the process again? You know, toxic emotions appear. You'll, you'll know what I'm talking about when you, when you get them. Follow the trace to identify the idol, and you should. I don't need you. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And I don't need you, and I don't, I don't know how it is yet that God is supposed to, like, uh, uh, give me what I'm trying to, uh, you know, uh, try, uh, what I'm coming to you to give me. But God says, I have it. It's just that I need more time being trained by the Lord to help me see the provision for that need that I'm trying to satisfy elsewhere. You know, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. I don't need anything. Now, let's meditate one more thing before, before I let you guys go. But... Uh, uh, and it's this meditation that living in the power of the spirit is more than wishful thinking. It's just like, okay, ooh, I am a, let me take this here one second. Uh, uh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm full of the spirit and trust the spirit will, will do this and the other. You know, it's more than, sometimes I, I, I used to do that and I was like, okay, man, but where's the power? I can just, uh, it like, sounds like mumbo jumbo to me. I'm like, well, where is the tangible power to, to, to be free? And, and, and I, until I understood this, is that the power of, uh, to live the Christian life is in the gospel. In resting in what God has already done for us in his son by believing it. We must do many things. But that which will set you free is believing some things. And the Lord put it beautifully in Isaiah 30, 15 where he says, For thus says the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. What does he say there? In returning and rest, you shall be saved. Returning, going to him, and resting in him. Not give me the list so I can work. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. And then he goes on to rebuke them, but you will not. Instead, you say, uh, uh, for we will free on horses, therefore you shall flee. And we will ride on swift horses, therefore those who pursue you shall be swift. I didn't put that there because what I want you to like to understand is what God says. This is what the Lord says. In returning and rest you shall be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. Because at the end of the day, the law came through Moses. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Moses is awesome. I'm not saying the law of God is not what it says it is. Perfect converting the soul to, to convert. It's an outward. But the regeneration of the spirit comes come through the gospel as the gospel, you know, uh, infuses you with the spirit of God. That really does a, a hard change. You know, Jesus, Moses is awesome, but Jesus is better. Do, do me a favor and please do not put Jesus in his gospel at the same level of the law. The law is here. It's just high and mighty and needful and... and, and I'm not anti-law. I'm not preaching neglect of the law. Use it by all means and manage your, manage your sinfulness. But here's Moses with the law. Jesus is much better. That's what the scriptures say. See, real freedom. Uh, Hebrews 3.3 says, for this one, Jesus, has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. Inasmuch as he who builds a house has more honor than the house. Real freedom from sin comes not by something we do, but by something we believe. Sanctification by rest, not by efforts. Because I put here that the main effort is to enter his rest. You guys, you guys went through, through Hebrew a while ago here in this church. And uh, Pastor Blake must have taught through this. 
But look what a, look the emphasis that I was, you know, telling you before. The emphasis that uh, the, the Holy Spirit puts in chapter 4, verse 1. It says, therefore, since the promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear. Does any of you seem to have come short of it? And jumping to verse 11, says, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. Lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. You see, there is a, there is a, 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 there is a calling, an exhortation, a very strong one, if I may say. To do not, don't stop in the law and don't, don't, don't let that be the whole thing. But learn to use the gospel. Moses is good. Awesome, but Jesus is better. Let's learn to use the gospel. And what's the process? Well, you, you, you already say it. I mean, basically before that, just, and Jesus talks about this. You know, the main calling of Jesus is in Matthew 11 where he says, Call, uh, Come to me, O who you labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and, I will, and, and, I, and you will find rest for your souls. It's a calling of resting in meditating as you meditate in what God has already done for you. And, and, and you apply the, the law wherever the law is needed. But ultimately the deliverance from that heart is as you meditate on what, and, and you rest in what God has done for you. That's the gospel, the mighty weapon of the gospel that says Jesus plus nothing equals everything. I don't need anything. You got the, got, got the process down? Toxic emotions show up. Let them be just like lights that tells you it's time to pray. It's time to come to God and not only manage this emotion. Of course, you're going to manage the emotion. You've got to use the law to manage it. Oh, no, this is not right to be unforgiving. But why am I so angry? Why am I so feeling hateful? D don't act on it. That's the law. Don't act on it. But don't stop there. Come to the Spirit of God and ask why. What's the idol behind this? And once the Holy Spirit shows you the idol, you, you preach the idol and you say, I don't need you. Because I am complete in Christ and I don't need you. <laughs> okay, so um, basically, you know, uh, I said like precious people here, you know, let's, let's train ourselves. Let's, let's train ourselves. This is, this is not easy. You know, this is something that, uh, that we need with we're 100% because that's the thing with grace. It's all about God. So we're 100% that God has to do this work in us. The law is a little easier because the law is just give me the list and I'll go about it, doing it. And that's how the world works. But resting and not doing anything but believing, that sounds kind of intuitive. No, no, no. And at the beginning it makes us nervous because surely I'm going to, if I let go, I'm just going to be, just like, no, no, because it's not. It's freedom from sin, not freedom to sin. That I get in the gospel. It's freedom from this whole thing. That, that, you know, and so uh, resting in this, it's just, it takes training. Let us become proficient at using the gospel to sanctify our souls from our idolatries. Let's make every effort to instruct ourselves to be able to discern between law and gospel. Why? So that the gospel is not devoid of its life-giving power. And we find ourselves ever stuck in the desert with Moses of the law. Yes, out of Egypt, but not quite yet in the promised land of grace. Amen. So basically, uh, a little, we're putting, we're putting, Pastor Blake and I, we've been talking about, how, you know, 
what can we be doing about this? And so we're putting a discipleship group for this very purpose. Uh, it's, it's still being prayed about, but uh, just pray about that, about your participation. And if you, if you feel like interested about it, just come talk to us, talk to Dr. Blake, talk to me, and, uh, and, and we'll see where this takes us. But by all means, we need to um, learn, make every effort to instruct ourselves to be able to discern between law and gospel so that we now then learn to use the gospel. We're getting good. We're good already at using the law. Let's also get you good, if not better or gooder, well, that's not right, at using the gospel too so that we can destroy those idolatries and find freedom from it. That is what Christ came into the world, into this world, to die on the cross to set us free from. Amen. Worship team, if you, if you come, uh, let us pray. Father, we give you thanks, Lord. It's, uh, it's just so counterintuitive to everything, Lord, this, uh, that this world uh, in, where we, in which we live, that everything is, is, is uh, merit-based, that in your economy would be by grace, something you do, not something uh, we do. But as we rest in what you have already done, like Hebrews says, we, like you rested uh, in your Sabbath, we also rest from our words. And as we rest in you and we are transformed, <laughs> Lord, that's the only way in which you ultimately get all the glory. And we're just, we're just objects that reflect the matchless glory of the one true God. Father, we are yours and we, we acknowledge that we cannot do this without you. Without you, we're going to revert back to, to give me the list and, and look good on the outside. But, Lord, I don't want to remain uh, like with dead men's bones inside. It's very tempting to want to wanna look good and be pretty because I like what, when people call me good things. And, but, God forbid, Lord, don't let me, don't let us stop there and be deceived into religious activity. But come to us, Lord, and show us our idolatries and set us free, we pray. We are yours, Lord. We know, we know that you're going to work because it's your delight. It's in your nature to help us out, to set us free. Because you are the one true God, the fountain of living water. We are yours and we worship you because you are worthy. Father, no one has ever loved us like you love us. And nothing in this world compares to the, to, the, to, the, to the privilege of knowing you, Jesus. Father, we are yours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.